Mark chapter 6. And we'll look at uh, Mark's version of Jesus walking on the water. Uh, and Mark, Mark's whole purpose in writing, Mark was writing uh, to a Gentile, to a Roman world. And um, as you might remember from your uh, school days, uh, the Romans had uh, a number of gods. Uh, they worshipped a lot of different things, uh, including Caesar himself. They, they uh, had a, uh, a god for most everything. And Mark's purpose, uh, if you put it in a sentence, was Jesus Christ is God. That's, uh, that, that's his uh, simple uh, thesis statement. And so over and over, as we've seen, uh, Mark just very quickly fires off these stories uh, of how Jesus cast out demons, how Jesus uh, healed the sick, and, and the various things that, uh, that Jesus did uh, over his ministry. All of those were designed uh, to show that, uh, that Christ uh, was God, not Zeus or Caesar or uh, some statue somewhere, but that Jesus uh, was God. And uh, one of the things that um, probably even still today uh, is uh, something that all of us uh, recognize as, um, as a, a great uh, episode of, a uh, great example of demonstration of power would be the ability uh, to control weather. You, know, you could um, you could possibly uh, you could possibly fake uh, healing a crippled man, or you could possibly fake uh, raising somebody from the dead. You could uh, possibly fake uh, giving somebody back their eyesight or their hearing. All those things um, might be possible to uh, to somehow trick the people. Uh, but um, when you have a storm raging, uh, one second. And the next second, if not, um, that's, uh, that's, that's a sure, uh, sure sign that somebody uh, has intervened. Uh, and so this is a story that would have really uh, struck the hearts of his audience, much as it does to us today. We still recognize uh, the, uh, the power demonstrated uh, in uh, dealing with a, a storm, dealing with the wind and the waves. Uh, you know, if you've uh, ever been uh, in a boat uh, that was being tossed around by the wind and the waves and uh, how utterly uh, helpless you are. Uh, there is, uh, if you've uh, ever been in that situation, uh, it is terrifying because there's pretty much uh, nothing you can do but hang on for the ride. Uh, you, know, it, uh, you know, the wind and the waves get to going, and uh, and you're just alone for the ride. Uh, as uh, to you know, to be somehow get blown up on shore or or something, you put on your life jacket and you pray. Uh, that's uh, about the extent of it. Uh, and so, to be able to calm a storm uh, was truly an example that Christ is God. Now. Uh, that being said, I think all of us recognize as well uh, that there are a lot of different types of storms. Uh, there are uh, winter storms, uh, there are hurricanes, there are thunderstorms, there are tornadoes, there are hailstorms. There, there are a lot of different kinds of storms uh, that, uh, that come along. Uh, in uh, in our life, there's dust storms and wind storms and uh, a lot of different kinds of uh, weather-related storms. 
We also know that in life, there are a lot of different storms, uh, just as there are in weather. Uh, sometimes it's uh, your, uh, your kids won't uh, behave. Sometimes it's your job. Sometimes it's your finances. Uh, sometimes it's your marriage. Sometimes it's your health. Uh, there are a lot of different storms uh, in life. And then we can take it one step further and say that really uh, we could put most of those storms into two categories. Um, unfortunately, uh, we would have to acknowledge that sometimes there are storms in our life that we're directly responsible for. Uh, we made the mess. Um, we did it. You know, we, uh, you know, we made the mess. We made the bad decisions. We got ourselves in this mess. Um, other times, uh, there are storms when they seem to come out of nowhere. Uh, we're, we're doing our best to, uh, to live for God. We're doing our best to be obedient to His will. Uh, we're trying to serve Him, and uh, it still feels like uh, sometimes the wheels just fall off. That's exactly the type of storm the disciples found themselves in. They weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, they had just been part of one of uh, the still most talked about miracles in all of Scripture, the feeding uh, of the probably 15 to 20,000, even though the Bible calls it 5,000. That would have been the men, but counting women and children, probably somewhere between 15 and 20,000 uh, with the five loaves and the two fishes that, uh, that uh, were there. And so uh, they've just been part of that. They've distributed that, and, and, and the people were uh, all excited and, and thrilled to death. And Jesus puts them on this boat and sends them uh, out into the sea, and he goes up and begins to pray. And so they are where Jesus told them to be, doing what Jesus told them to do, going where Jesus told them to go, and yet the storm comes. Uh, and, and the waves begin to crash. And uh, I think probably most of the time those are the kinds of storms that, uh, that rattle our confidence the most. Uh, that undermine our faith the most. It's like, what I do? You know, I, I, I'm trying, Lord. Uh, you know, I'm going to church. I'm tithing. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm, I'm doing all the things I think you want me to do. And yet, it just seems like everything is going wrong. And uh, it can really shake uh, our confidence. It can really uh, open up some opportunities for Satan uh, to attack. And this morning, I want us to look at this story, and, and there are several things that, uh, if you're following along on your, with the outline on your bulletin, you're, you're probably going to be scratching your head a little bit, because uh, it, it's changed since uh, I, I, I gave to turn, this, uh, turn that in for, for it to be on the bulletin uh, a little bit, and, and actually I'm going to preach half the outline uh, this morning. When somebody said, thank God, I smell lunch. Uh, you know, so we're only going to fill about half of it, we'll look at the other half. Uh, next week. And so as we look at it, I want you to see, as we look at this story, why it is that we can have confidence in the face of these types of storms. Now, we, 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 we're again, I'm not really talking about the kind of mess you get yourself into. Uh, you know, 
you got yourself in that mess, get out of it. You know, that, that's not what we're talking about this morning. I'm really uh, zeroing in and very narrow uh, focus this morning uh, when we are trying to live for God the best we know how, and yet it still seems like the checkbook won't balance, or it still seems like the lab work won't come back right, or it still seems like the kids won't act right, whatever. Why is that? What, what, how do we make it through uh, those kinds of circumstances? And, and how do we keep our confidence in God uh, in spite of those circumstances? Well, we, we see that here in this story. We learn it uh, from the actions of Christ, the actions of the disciples, or several things uh, that show us then the, the secret of our confidence. How do we keep our head up? How do we keep plowing forward? Uh, and because the temptation in those times, uh, when we're doing our best to serve God, and the wind begins to blow and the waves begin to crash, the temptation is uh, to quit serving God. Well, if I'm serving God and this is happening, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to throw up my hands and quit. And, and we've all seen that happen. Uh, maybe there's even been a time in your life when, when it was you. Uh, but we've all seen that kind of experience. But how do we uh, keep our confidence? How do we, like Paul, say, I'm going to press on towards the mark, towards the high calling of Jesus Christ, even in the face of the storm? Remember uh, these uh, five things this morning. First of all, we see in this story as we look at it, we, we, we need to remember it, it is because of his design. Look what it says in uh, verse 45. Straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, which he sent away while he sent away the people. This story, again, takes place right after the miracle uh, of the feeding of the 5,000 or the 20,000, depending on uh, how you want to count, depending on whether uh, you're uh, like them and only want to count the men or if you want to count everybody. Uh, but it takes place uh, after this great miracle. And it uh, seems a little bit like a, an odd thing for him to do. Uh, he's just, uh, we've just had this great miracle. Uh, the people are... Uh, just overly excited and man, they're they're pumped up about Jesus. You know, uh, you know, uh, you want to make a, a bunch of Baptists happy, feed them. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, that, that's how you make them much happy. And, and so they're excited. You know, he's healed the sick. He's cast out demons. He's, you know, he's raised the dead. He's done. But he failed. Now, man, they're happy. Uh, they're, they're sitting back like, you know, Thanksgiving lunch. I mean, they're, they're, they're happy. And, and so they're, uh, it says they're, they're why, why would Jesus not have his disciples stay? and mingle among the people and take advantage of this opportunity to, to further his ministry, to further <laughs> his work, to tell them about Christ, to tell them uh, about salvation. Why would he send his men away? It seems like the perfect opportunity uh, to put them to work. You know, go out there among the people and talk about the kingdom. Let's see if we can get us some more disciples. Let's see if we can recruit some people. But instead, we, we read that he constrained the disciples to get in the ship and the boat and go to the other side. And uh, I believe the reason that we have that, and the word literally, uh, constrained, is not a word we typically use, but if we were saying it today, uh, we would say Jesus made them get in the boat. 
the the uh, the picture of the word it, is, it, it almost seems like he was like get in the boat, you know, get in the boat, uh, you know, that, that he was, you know, putting. In fact, it says that the words that are used there uh, appears, and you see people do this, I'm sure, in, in launching boats. He made them get in the boat, and then he kicked the boat out into the water. You know, y'all go on the other side. I mean, there, there was no option. You know, we don't see what he said. Hey, fellas, would y'all like to go to the other side? You know, uh, what do you think about going to the sailor? Yeah, uh, I know you tired, you work hard today. Take they off. No, he made them get in the boat, and he sent them to Bethsaida. He sent them out into uh, the sea. It's a very strong word that, that he used. That, uh, that again, it, it gives the idea of pressure, uh, that he forced them, that he uh, demanded of them to get into the ship and go uh, to the other side. Uh, apparently, the disciples were a little bit reluctant. No, we want to stay here. We want to stay with you. We want to stay with the crowd. I said, get in the boat. You know, uh, they, apparently, they, they didn't want to go, but they weren't uh, given uh, an option. It's kind of like uh, almost a picture. Some of you have uh, been through this. Maybe you've, uh, you, you've got children and they're having a good time. Maybe at the park or the fair or whatever. You say, all right, it's time to go home. Oh, I don't want to go to Bethsaida. They, they didn't want to go. Jesus says, no. You, you go he He corrals them. He brings them together. And he insists that they get in the boat. And again, I believe he probably gave the boat a shove or gave it a kick. Don't forget that. That's important to this story. Jesus forced the disciples into this ship and walked them out into the water. He forced them into the ship and walked them out into the water. So the disciples are exactly where Jesus wants them to be. Would you agree with that statement? The disciples are exactly where Jesus wants them to be. Their, their sailing is not just with his approval, but by his direct orders. It wasn't that they said, we want to go to the other side, can we? They weren't going because he approved of the trip, but because he demanded the trip. He put them in the boat, is the meanings of the word. He launched them into the water. They were in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, and yet, they find themselves in the midst of a storm. Anybody see a little bit of a head scratcher there? See, we believe, don't we, that Jesus is omnipotent, that Jesus is omniscient, that when he put them in the boat, and when he put them out into the water, he knew there was a storm in the middle of the lake. He knew that. Right? But yet, he sent them on this trip. Curious, to say the least. Interesting. See, I, I want you to understand something this morning. That Jesus, and this is a bitter, 
hard pill for some believers, especially young believers, immature believers, to swallow. Jesus, on occasion, may send us into trouble and to difficulty, may send us into a storm uh, with a redemptive purpose. Now, let's flash forward, let's jump ahead in the story. Let's get to the other side of the scene, because most of you know the story. In a moment, Jesus is going to see them in the storm. He's going to come walking in on the water. He's going to get in the ship. They're going to, the storm's going to stop. They're going to end up on the other side. When they get to the other side, do you think they learned anything in that storm? Do you think they gained a little more respect for Christ? See, I want to point out to you again, I've got to get a whole ahead of myself just a tad, uh, but these fellows are slow learners. To be honest, they're like most of us. Because the Bible tells us in a moment in this story that they already didn't remember, they already forgot the great display of power that they had just witnessed on the other, on the other shore when Jesus had fed the crowd. They'd already forgot about it. They'd already, already slipped their mind. And so they just needed something a little more to pat them on the, on the rear and keep them moving. A little more encouragement. See, one of the things we need to understand, and, and if we're going to have confidence in the face uh, of these storms, as, as hard as it is for us to, to swallow, and hard as it is for us to accept, sometimes, even, completely in the will of God. Where God wants you to be. Doing what God wants you to do. When God wants you to do it. How God wants you to do it. Going where God wants you to go. The wind will blow. And the waves will crash. And at that point, our faith and our confidence and our dependence in Him will grow. There's a saying similar that fits this story very well that says, smooth waters don't make a good sailor. Smooth waters don't make a good sailor. We can have confidence when we're, again, understand the storm we're talking about. We're talking about storms that come. When we are being obedient, when we're in the will of God, when those storms come, we need to remember His plans are not always easy. They're not always what we desire. They're not always how we would plan them out. There's not a disciple there. If you said, hey, you want to settle out in the middle of the sea and get in a storm? No. No, thank you. Everyone else would have passed on that trip. Jesus knew it was designed for them. It was for their benefit. Them being in the storm didn't benefit Jesus. But it did benefit them. Because of his design. Because of his discipline. While they were in the storm, what was Jesus doing? Look at the next verse. In verse 46. When he sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus prayed. So 
humor me while I speculate. And see if you would agree that there was probably a pretty good chance that while Jesus was praying, he prayed something like this. Father, you know where my disciples are. And you know the storm they're sailing into. Father, keep them safe. Keep them focused on you. Build their faith. Prepare them for the day that is soon coming when I will no longer be with them, but they will be responsible for the ministry. Does that sound even feasible to you as to what Jesus may have prayed that day? I'm sure there was much more to it. I'm sure the conversations that Jesus had with his father would blow our minds if we heard every word. But I feel pretty comfortable in saying, and I, 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 I timidly approach putting words in Jesus' mouth, but I think that's safe to say, I think it's a legitimate question. What would Jesus have prayed knowing he just put the disciples in the ship and sent them into a storm? You don't think he would have prayed for the disciples? There's no question in my mind he prayed for the disciples. Well, he'd have prayed for them, prayed for their safety. He'd have prayed for their growth. He'd have prayed for their maturity. See, that was the discipline of Christ. Was uh, he, he was a prayer? He, he routinely went to the Father. It's curious. Mark actually only records three times that Jesus prayed in the beginning of his gospel. When the ministry of Christ began, here in the middle of the gospel, after he feeds the 5,000, and near the end of his ministry in Gethsemane. Let that meditation mull around in your head a little bit. Jesus, Mark reports three prayers. The beginning of his ministry, obviously a momentous occasion. Gethsemane, huge event in the life and death of Christ and here when his disciples were sailing out into a storm. First Timothy tells us Paul writes there that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. His function, his job, is prayer. When Christ was talking to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan was desired to have you, to sift you like we. But I have prayed for you. Isn't, I don't know, isn't that sweet? I don't know if that's the right word. To know Jesus Christ prayed for his people. Hebrews says, He ever liveth to make intercession for them. When I don't know how to pray for myself, 
When I don't pray for myself, the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession on my behalf. How do I have confidence in storm? How can I keep my head up? How can I keep my faith in God Himself? Because His Son is disciplined to pray for me. When I'm too hard-headed, too dumb, too without words to pray for myself, my Savior is ever living to make intercession for me. Cause of his design, cause of his discipline, cause of his deity. Look in the next verse. Verse 47 says, When even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit. And they cried out. They all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good chief, it is I. Be not afraid. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I think this is worth the price of admission. Because you are in a storm does not mean God is not still on the throne. Just because you are in a storm does not mean that God is not still on the throne. It was the fourth watch. It was late evening. It was dark. The only thing scarier than being in a storm in a boat is being in a storm in the boat in the dark. That's scary. Probably between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning is what this represents. The darkest time. It was pitch black. And the boat is out to sea. Jesus is up on the land. And he sees his people. I want to point out to you. Don't miss that little bit. I'm not going to dwell there long. They were probably approximately 3 to 4 miles out in the sea. And Jesus is up on dry land. And he still sees them. You're not out of the sight of God. Just cause the storm. You ever been in a rain? You ever been trying to drive when it was raining so hard you couldn't see your hood ornament? Couldn't see in front of you? You ever been up in the mountains headed across 1923, headed from Asheville over towards Silver, and all of a sudden you cruising along, it's a beautiful day, and all of a sudden the fog just hits you like a stick. You can't see through your you can't see out of your windshield. Just because you can't see the shore doesn't mean God can't see you. He's still on the throne. He saw struggling and moved again, as it says in verse 34, like he was with the people who were hungry. I believe he looked at his disciples just as he saw that point, and he was moved with compassion because he saw what they were going through. And he does what no one had done before or since. He came to them walking on the water. Now, there's a lot of meat here, but I just want to, you know, sometimes you get a nice steak and it, it's just part of it's just better than others. 
I don't have time to eat the whole steak. I gotta just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on that little bit. You know, one side of the T-bone is better than the other. I wanna focus on that little filet part right there on the side. It says he came to them and he would have passed them by. Now, I don't know where, where you are, but for some people that rattles their cage just a little bit. What do you mean he would have passed them by? Like the homecoming queen in a parade? You know, what do you mean he would have passed them by? And there are a number of, of, of answers of what that could mean. It, it could mean uh, a, a lot of things. It, it could mean, um, and, and, and all of these have been supposed, and uh, Danny Aiken in his commentary uh, list, uh, list these and, and kind of brings them together. But that Jesus kind of intended on surprising. He's going to kind of sneak up on it, is, is what it means. Uh, something uh, means that it literally means he meant just to walk by them, go on the other side, and even when they got there. But then he saw their distress, and he saw where they were, and decided, no, I reckon I'll stop the hill. Trump said Jesus is just trying to test their faith. Um, some mean something. It means he was about to pass him by. That's not what it says. It could mean that what some people think is that, that that's what the disciples thought he was going to do. Again, it's not what it says. Um, again, he just simply meant to come up beside of um, that he wanted them to see him walking on the water, but he didn't want them to know who he was. Well, that doesn't even make any sense at all. That's just crazy. Um, another view uh, is, again, that uh, it, it, um, it's just all a metaphor. That it doesn't, didn't really happen. It's just all just a, a picture. And what it says, it says Jesus was walking on the water. It doesn't say like he was walking on the water. It says he was walking on the water. So there was a stone. What it says. Excuse me. I just believe what it says. Okay? I believe there's a better understanding. Connected back to the Old Testament. Dr. Elmer Towns calls it the This is a good rule for you. It, this, this again is worth it. Save you some money in a, in, a, in, a, in a seminary class. Elmer Towns calls it this. The rule of first mention. Whatever something means the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, it will keep meaning that all the way through the Bible. Well, let's go back and see if we can find anything that fits into this category. In the book of Exodus, he says, Moses talking to the Lord, says, I beseech you, show me your glory. And God says to him, you can't see my face, lest shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Again, in 1 Kings, we have another example. He said, Go forth. And stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain, 
and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord passed by on Sinai for Moses, and he passed by on Horeb for Elijah. On both occasions, he passed by so that they might experience his glory. That they might experience his presence. What does this mean when it says that he would have passed by? Let's go back. They were in the storm because Christ put them in the boat and launched them out into the sea. Now he stops praying and walks to them and it says would have passed by. Why? Because in the storm he wanted them to see his Lord. See, when you're in these storms, you can focus on the storm or you can focus on the Lord. You can focus on the wind and the waves or you can focus on Jesus. Jesus wanted them to see his glory. He wanted him to see, again, what's Mark writing for? So that man will know that Jesus is God. Do you think when they got to the other side, these men had just a little bit better understanding that Jesus was God? Sometimes, even when we're where he wants us to be, do we? is to remind us of who He is. Because of His desire. For they all saw Him with trouble. And immediately He called with them, talked with them, and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And He went up unto them in the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves, uh, beyond measure and wonder. Now, it's interesting, let me just point this out real quick. Most people believe that what Mark was doing, because he wasn't there, was he was a scribe for people. And he was writing down what he, the stories he had remembered Peter telling him about his time with Jesus. You will notice that in this rendition, unlike in the book of Luke, we don't read anything about Peter saying, Hey, if it's really you, let me come out of the ship. Let me walk to you and taking his eyes off Jesus and sinking. I don't know if Mark decided to t t uh, not tell that about his friend or if his friend decided not to tell that about himself. But either way, that part gets skipped over. But what we do see is the desire of Jesus. Look what he says to him. It is I. Let's break that statement. Let's break this statement down real quickly. What was the desire of Jesus when he walked to those on the ship? It is I. What do you want him to do? See Jesus. What do you want you and I to do in the midst of our storms? See Jesus. See Jesus. It is I. Be of good cheer. Or have courage. Is what he says. What is the desire of Jesus when we're in the midst of our storms? Have courage. Be of good cheer. Be not afraid. What is the desire 
of Jesus when we're in the midst of storms. Don't be afraid. And he goes up into the ship and calms the storm. When he says it is I, that is the Greek equivalent of what God said to Moses from the bush that would not burn up. I am.
I want to thank you that in the storm, you didn't abandon me. You didn't leave me. You walked to me and you saw me even in the middle of the sea. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know Christ. I don't know him personally. Hear me today. He's walking by. That feeling in your pit of your stomach, that feeling in your heart, that's not heartburn, that's not hunger. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you, saying you need to be saved this morning. You need to ask Christ into your heart. Would you come this morning? Let me show you from God's Word how you can know, how you can be saved today. I want to thank you for that storm. It taught me, it shaped me, it molded me, it prepared me. That storm 10 years ago prepared me for what I'm going through today. Lord, I want to thank you for it. That storm I'm in right now, God, I want to see your glory. What is it God saying to you this morning? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, how 2,000 year old book can be as relevant as written this morning. God, there's someone here this morning who's they're, they're in that boat, in the middle of that sea, in the middle of that storm. And they need to see your glory. They need to see you. They need to be reminded that you're still on the phone. But there's someone here today who's been through the storm. They've been tossed and they've been swung, but you've been faithful. They need to come and they need to find thanks. God, someone here today that doesn't even know that. It's never asked Christ in their heart. Lord, you start? Would you think that today will be the day of salvation? And we'll give you more fortune, which is Jesus in my heart. Amen. As we stand together.
but um, so we will uh, be ready for a minute to eat. Uh, if you didn't sign up, there should be enough left for everybody. Uh, but uh, I understand if you didn't sign up, if you wait. Um, but those that did sign up, go through. Um, and uh, your first trip through, um, you don't have to take it off. Um, let's make sure everybody gets through. Um, we've never done it this way before, and so hopefully we've got enough but, um, to, uh, to try to. And so um, I said, just get you a plate full, go sit down. Get three plates full at one time. Before you get back to the go box, uh, all that good stuff. No, uh, we're not going to be Swing out, uh, as Andy would say. Um, and he said, I got to be smart. That's what he said. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask you to really let uh, Tommy and Carol go first. Um, and we'll know she'll take that for you. So. You might have seen her as you need to do it until she's been in the bowl when she gets there. Uh, now, Tommy ain't going to have. But I think Tommy's lighting up some on his evening from what he used to. And that's my first time here. It was nothing that was chewable that was safe. Uh, it's loose meat. But uh, I think it's slowed down. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go first. Again, uh, somewhere there is a, uh, a basket or something stack. Uh, some book problems, some cards uh, for uh, four pounds. I don't know where it is. If you've got one, uh, I'll just go ahead and get to her. It would be sufficient. Make sure you speak to her. Uh, it's not going to be gone, uh, but uh, she is uh, obviously not going to be at our back and call anymore. Uh, I was asked a moment ago uh, about when we would have an opportunity to meet Ken, uh, the new secretary. And my great wisdom, I had suggested to her husband, the pastor, uh, I said, well, why don't you come and I'll let Terry preach for you this Sunday, and you can, uh, you can meet people. And uh, that's a man's thinking. A woman's thinking said, no, that wouldn't be right. That's Terry's day. Let her have it. Um, and I'll meet him sometime. So uh, we will plan on somewhere down the road doing something uh, to let me see him. And, Terry, and I thought you know Terry, I said Terry at one time pastor, um, Emmanuel, um, Wednesday, uh, in Concord, and so I uh, remember that. Um, I'm going to send a blessing and dismiss us at the same time, and got to mingle a little bit. I still hear women call around them, so um, I guess it's not completely ready.